From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. The COVID-19 pandemic has created many challenges, and they're not all about the virus. The health crisis has also illuminated other problems within our society, and one of them is the rise of hate. Last week, we focused on rising incidents directed at Asian Americans. In this episode, we look at Islamophobia, and many American Muslim leaders see all these incidents as connected. One high-profile incident involved an elected leader, a Clackamas County commissioner, Mark Scholl, who made racist, xenophobic, and anti-immigrant posts on Facebook. There was widespread condemnation of Scholl's comments and pressure to resign. With humility, sincerity, I ask for the good people of the Muslim community to consider my request for forgiveness Shaw met with leaders of the Muslim community and apologized and asked for forgiveness, but did not resign. And in January, cell phone video shows a man yelling anti-Muslim slurs at a convenience store worker in southeast Portland. Is that how we do things in America, Afghan, Al-Qaeda, Osama? The man threatened to kill the 68-year-old clerk who immigrated from Afghanistan in the 1980s. One in ten Oregonians is an immigrant. In this episode of Straight Talk, we take a hard look at Islamophobia, and we find out about the new Portland Foundation, whose mission is to create a Portland community where immigrant, refugee, and other minority communities can live, learn, earn, and thrive. Our panel of guests in this episode of Straight Talk, Wajdi Saeed. He's the president of the Muslim Educational Trust, an organization he co-founded in 1993. Part of its mission is to enrich the public's understanding of Islam and dispel common myths and stereotypes. Wajdi immigrated to the U.S. from Yemen when he was 19 years old as a pre-med student. Anila Afzali is the executive director of the American Muslim Empowerment Network at the Muslim Association of Puget Sound. She immigrated from Afghanistan when her parents fled in 1979 as the country was at war with the Soviet Union. She's a Harvard Law School graduate. She left her career to serve as a community activist and justice advocate. And Renault Polo Catalini is the executive director of the New Portland Foundation. He was born in Indonesia and came to this country with his family as a refugee in 1966. They settled in Salem. He is a Portland attorney who for decades has mediated between the old world of immigrants and the new world they encounter in Oregon. And I'm pleased to welcome our guests, Anila Afzali, Wajdi Saeed, and Polo Catalani. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you all here. Thank you for having us. It's an honor. Well, let's start with how Islamophobia and all these incidents of hate towards marginalized communities are connected. Anila, you have said, quote, Islamophobia does not just hurt me as a Muslim, it hurts all Americans. Will you elaborate on what you mean by that? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity as well. Uh, Islamophobia is simply one form of, of, of bias and bigotry, of otherization, of dehumanization. This is something that affects many different marginalized communities, 
And all of these various forms of bigotry or hate are actually connected. They are various branches of the same root of, root of original, the original sin of our country of racism, as Jim Wallace says, or white supremacy on which our country was founded. So these various forms of otherization and demonization, they are intended to create this divide and conquer between various groups and ultimately hurts all of us. It keeps us less safe. It keeps us less secure. It has resources go to things that do not ultimately protect us. And we can bridge that divide. We can overcome all of these various forms of hate and bigotry by uniting and getting to know each other and building these bridges of understanding and unity. And that's the work that I do. And I see the anti-Asian hate, the anti-Black racism, uh, the uh, anti-Muslim, anti-Jewish, all of these various forms of bigotry are absolutely connected. And we have to pursue our collective liberation in the work that we do. Thank you, Anila. And at the Muslim Educational Trust, Wajda, you work to build bridges of understanding. And you shared with me that you continue a dialogue with Clackamas County Commissioner Mark Schull, who made those xenophobic posts. How important are those kinds of conversations to combating hate and Islamophobia? And what are you doing to try to further that kind of dialogue? Uh, Laurel, thank you very much for inviting us uh, collectively. And I'm very thankful to you. You are one of the the best ever uh, journalist I met. You are a healer and unifier. We, a lot of people misunderstand, you know, that part of our uh, values as Muslims, that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, integrated by design. He integrated by design and he healed and unified. Our values is all about healing and unifying our, our, uh, ourselves as individuals and our uh, community and the society that we live in. So we, since uh, our founding members, you know, uh, including myself, uh, we were able, you know, to, uh, to create what we call the American Muslim identity. And that's through positive integration of our programs. One of our great founders, you know, and advisor was uh, the Dean of uh, the College of Urban Planning, the late Nuhat Tulan. And uh, for him and for us, all of us, is how we integrate, you know, the resources that God has bestowed upon us, how we integrate the values and how we we can build, you know. Muslims has been healers, you know, in history, cities of light, whether it was in Africa and Asia and Europe, you know, when history was misnamed or uh, as the dark ages, it wasn't dark in the other side of the world. Muslims were healers and unifiers. We were able, you know, to, to bridge, you know, uh, many ethnic and many races, you know, to come and think in a positive way, you know, and this is why Muslims has contributed to the European Renaissance. And if it wasn't Islam, you know, there would, wouldn't be a European uh, Renaissance if it wasn't Islam, you know, as the greatest scholar of Judaism, uh, Dr. David, you know, uh, Westerstein from Vanderbilt University, he said, if it wasn't Islam, Judaism wouldn't have survived Christian Europe. Washington, Muslims thank you. Thank you so Muslims much. I want to bring I want to bring Polo in now. And thank you so much for the compliment too, Polo. You're the executive director of the New Portland Foundation, and you try to lift people up in the immigrant and refugee communities. What kind of impact has the pandemic had on them, and how are you trying to help? Um, thank you, Laurel and uh, KGW uh, crew, for allowing us to join in the public square. Uh, you folks so uh, tenderly. And, and toughly manage uh, in, 
in a very complex city. Uh, New Portland Foundation um, is the beginning of a different kind of uh, understanding between our very robust regional mainstream and about 70 just as energetic ethnic streams. Uh, so what it is we're trying to do is to have more direct and immediate conversations uh, between our communities and policy leaders, uh, between our communities and funders in government, funders in philanthropy, uh, so that folks understand without some of the um, interpreters of our, of our communications what is happening with families in their neighborhoods. So to answer your question, Laurel, the depth of the abyss uh, before us, uh, the abyss we're in, uh, as ethnic minority and immigrant communities is, is unfathomable. That we don't have good numbers, good ways on the ground where we feel governments care and are assess what the depth of people's despair is or where our pockets of joy are are, are troublesome. So this is the starting point for uh, New Portlander, uh, New Portland Foundation. Uh, this is a New Portland like there was a New York and there's a New Mexico and a New Jersey. We're trying to now build a new city with a new kind of uh, participatory democracy. Paulo, thank you. You know, a lot of people are going to remember the horrific incident in May of 2017 on a Portland Max train. And that's when Jeremy Christian fatally stabbed two men and injured a third after he was confronted for shouting racist and anti-Muslim slurs at two young black women. One of them was wearing a hijab. We have some photos of the family of the victims. Anila, you spoke at a vigil afterwards. When we talk about these hate incidents toward Muslims, are women more frequently targeted? And if so, why? Sure, that was a horrifying uh, tragedy, uh, and uh, we, our hearts are still with the families of the victims and the heroes, those Portland heroes. Uh, but yes, women do tend to get more targeted because they are more visible, particularly those women who wear a head covering, as I choose to do. So because you are more visible to people as a Muslim, you are directly uh, in the line of fire, so to speak, uh, at times. And this is not only true for Muslims, but as I said earlier, Islamophobia hurts other communities as well, which is why we've seen our Sikh American siblings also face anti-Muslim attacks because people mistake the turban that they wear uh, as, as a sign of being Muslim. So wearing a head covering or wearing a kufia, a hat for men, would also make them more visible. Uh, but certainly women are uh, targeted more because of the head covering that we wear, we choose to wear. And Wajdi, at the Muslim Educational Trust, or MET, one of your objectives is to dispel myths and stereotypes. And there are a lot of misperceptions about what the Islamic sacred book, the Quran, teaches about hate and violence. Can you address that for us? Yeah, we teach uh, a class called the, the Misunderstood Text in the Quran. Unfortunately, you know, the Quran is misunderstood, you know, sometimes by its followers, and, and most of the time is by ignorant individuals and sometimes it's an intentional uh, misunderstanding so it is very important to look at the history of islam in that context you know where i grew up there there was and there is still a jewish you know flourishing yemenis they are yemenis in whatever to be a yemeni and they happen to be jewish there are muslims happen to be yemenis 
So the coexistence of uh, Muslims, Christians, and Jewish, and other people, you know, uh, have lived and coexist in in the, in the majority Arab-speaking countries or or majority Muslim, uh, non-Arab-speaking, you know. So the history of Islam proves, you know, that Muslims and others, you know, uh, Christian and Jewish and other Hindus, you know, lived and coexist together, and we accepted one another in the, in our own distinctive cultures. And that's what Islam is all about. And this is why I always say, you know, look at the history of Islam, look at the history of the Prophet, and look at the, you know, there are 15 million Egyptian Christians live and coexist with their fellow Muslims in, you know, in, in, uh, in Palestine, in Jordan, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Iraq, and many others, Moroccan, you know. I traveled with the Rabbi, Rabbi Joseph from Beth Israel to Morocco, and she saw how Moroccan Jewish people lived in and they're happily living. They are citizens of that country, and they are proud to be Moroccan and proud to be Jewish, and like Moroccan Muslims, and, and nothing wrong to be an American Muslims today. Let, let know, me bring Anila back in here because I want to talk about another myth to dispel. Your organization put together a video about Islam and women's rights. What does Islam teach about women's rights? Sure. This We actually have a series of videos. There are five videos for this Facts Over Fear campaign, and they address the various myths and misconceptions about Islam, and one of them is specifically around women's rights. Uh, unfortunately, the majority of our fellow Americans do not personally know a Muslim and do not know much about Islam, so they uh, often fall victim to the misinformation that's out there. And particularly when it comes to women's rights, Islam introduced a package of women's rights 1,400 years ago that was unmatched and unparalleled at that time and for many centuries beyond there beyond then. This included the, the right to education, the right to personal property, the right to inheritance, the right to uh, enter into contracts, the right to choose who to, uh, to consent to have sort of marital contract uh, consent, the right to divorce, and so much more. There are Muslim women throughout history who were scholars, who were doctors, who were on the front lines in so many different ways, who were active in the marketplace and more, and this video helps highlight some of that. And even today in our current times, we have had Muslim women be heads of state even in about a dozen Muslim-majority countries, and we're still waiting for that here. We, we now have a vice president that's female, which is great, uh, but it, it, is, it just highlights uh, the fact that Islam came to uplift everybody, including women, and particularly at a time when women were being oppressed. This was a way to uplift and liberate women as well as men. And Polo, I want to ask you before we go to a break, how would you like to see our viewers help to support immigrants and refugees? Um, well, that's a big question. Um, your show is part of the answer. You know, we live in a region and we live in a country where our segregation from each other, our segregation from each other is by design. And uh, our segregation is now institutionalized in some very deep ruts. So what Anila has just begun addressing, and that is our unfamiliarity with each other, is the first step uh, to understanding that we're a whole lot more alike. We have the same longings than we are different. As long as we're segregated the way we are in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our markets, um, in our media, the more likely it is going to be that people will uh, focus on our differences and on the ugly intersections between us 
rather than uh, a more positive view of what integration should uh, feel and be like. And I think Rajdi has talked about some of those areas in the world where we're, we are all poor together. Uh, at the same time, we're all partying together. We're all eating and laughing and crying to great excess together. And this is missing in America. So there's a general answer to your difficult question. It is a tough question. We all need to get to know each other better, it sounds like. When we come back, we'll talk about the holy month of Ramadan that starts Monday night and look at some of the other ways these organizations are working to build bridges. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking about ways to combat Islamophobia and all forms of hate. Welcome once again to my guest, Wajdi Saeed, Polo Catalani and Anila Afzali. It's great to have you here. I, I want to talk about Ramadan, the holiest month for Muslims, starts on Monday evening at sunset. It's the high point of the year for American Muslims. And Anila, you shared with me that this is a time that you really look forward to. How can non-Muslims support their Muslim neighbors during the month of Ramadan, which must be tough right now because of the pandemic? Yes, thank you. Ramadan is such a beautiful and blessed month, and it's a wonderful time and opportunity for our non-Muslim brothers and sisters, family and friends to use as a way to connect. Uh, this is a great opportunity to learn more about Islam and meet American Muslims, get to know each other, build the kind of bridges that we were talking about earlier. So this month, of course, because of the pandemic, we can't do the kind of breaking of fast together, the iftars together, interfaith iftars, that we would do a lot of pre-COVID, but there may be virtual iftars that people can participate in. Uh, a couple other ways that people can support their Muslim neighbors in general uh, is basically calling out Islamophobia, recognizing that it does hurt us all as Americans. And in fact, a recent report from the United Nations even identified that Islamophobia is at epidemic proportions. So this is the time that all of us can step up and do our part to not allow Islamophobia or any form of hate to continue in our spaces and recognize that even simple things over a, th over a meal together with family, if somebody says something hateful or bigoted, just say something simple. Just say, you know what? That's not true. Let me tell you about the Muslims I know. And then go into number three, which is using your platform opportunities you have to share personal and, po uh, and positive stories about the American Muslims you know. Because each one of us are ambassadors for our networks. And there are a lot of people that will never listen to somebody who looks like me, but they may listen to others in the audience and your connections can be positive, powerful, and the potential there for real change is significant. And Wajdi, how do you see the observance of Ramadan as connected to what we're talking about today, building understanding and combating hate? Yeah, with, with all the challenges of the COVID uh, virus, you know, we still uh, are open. We still practice, you know, our uh, hospitality and welcoming. May the 1st, we, we welcome, you know, our annual iftar dinner with our uh, uh, multi-faith partners. So uh, everybody is welcome. It will be uh, with the social distancing and packaged food that is, uh, you know, uh, that we share the meal. We try to make it as normal as we can, you know, uh, addressing all the concerns of the of the COVID uh, uh, virus, you know, challenges. So it's very important that we live our normal life, that we have to engage, we have to build the bridges, and we stay focused, and we condemn all kinds of hate and bigotry against any community. 
And, and Marcy, I wanted to ask you before we're out of time I, that you recently held a vaccination clinic for immigrants and refugees, but for the whole community, what was the inspiration for the clinic? Uh, it was really uh, done, you know, inspired by uh, our community members, you know, uh, that we need to address, you know, uh, you know, uh, the value of uh, our uh, of sisters and brothers that are in the front lines, doctors and nurses. We have over 45 members of our community members here at the Muslim Education Trust that happen to be physicians at the VA hospital at OHSU and St. Vincent. So that's where the idea came. You know, you know, uh, we served over 529, you know, 60% were immigrant and refugees, but uh, other members, you know, in mainstream America were able also to come and get the vaccine. We found it a very opportunity to heal and unify and also, uh, in a way, giving an introduction, you know, uh, to our members, you know, of our community to see, you know, a sacred space, you know, that happened to be here at the Muslim Education Trust. We're very thankful, you know, to uh, Multnomah County, Washington County and the Oregon Health Authority and many faith, many faith partners that, you know, were able to register including your beautiful mom roller, you know. <laughs> yes, my mom got her vaccine there. But I, I wanted to give you the opportunity also, you have a big auction and fundraiser this weekend. Tell us just this a little Saturday. bit about that. Yeah, it's our annual uh, night uh, dinner. We're recognizing the late Commissioner uh, Fish, you know, uh, with the highest award that we have created in the in the memory of uh, uh, Nuhat Tolan. We're recognizing, you know, the Urban Pioneer Award to late uh, Commissioner Fish. Commissioner Fish was a healer and unifier. Please join us this Saturday from 5.30 to 7.30. And many other uh, leaders, including the Sunshine Division of the Portland Police uh, Department. And Polo, how can people get involved in the new Portland Foundation? What else do you want us to know about it? Uh, visit our website. Um, we are always looking for um, uh, community organizations, faith associations, civil society groups to join in these conversations because America is really um, uh, led by tough and tender people volunteering their time uh, to make us better neighbors, to make us better communities. Um, so have a look at our website. We are having a uh, Asian Pacific Heritage Month event. Month of May is the state and the national Heritage Month for Islanders and for people from the continent of, of Asia. And uh, when you come to these events or visit our website, you'll see lots of places where um, the assets you bring to the table will all of us, uh, will help all of us integrate. Integration is a two-way street or a multi-lane street uh, where it's not just newcomers or ethnic minorities integrating into our mainstream, but it's our mainstream just as much integrating to our spiritually and culturally and societally uh, uh, wealthy uh, newcomer and immigrant communities. And Anila, what are some of your outreach programs at AMEN, the American Muslim Empowerment Network that you can tell us about in about a minute? Sure. We have the Facts Over Fear campaign that you showed a video of uh, earlier. Uh, folks can go to that and watch all five of the videos. Uh, there's also a Faith Over Fear program that we have, which helps train faith leaders and faith communities to stand as effective allies to their Muslim neighbors and really combat the lies that are being perpetuated against their Muslim neighbors. Uh, there are also opportunities to get engaged with the various other educational programming that we have on a regular basis. If folks want to follow uh, MAPS Amen on social media or if they want to go to the website and learn more.
And I can give you, Wajdi, just 30 seconds for a final thought you want to share with viewers today. Uh, we are uh, a caring and responsible community. We are healers and we are unifiers. Many of our uh, doctors, many of our engineers, many of our teachers, they help and, 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 and support and advance America and enhance the beauty of America from within. It is very important that we get to know the Muslim community and, uh, and see them in, in the human face value, that bigotry and hate is there against Islam and Muslims. It's very important that we educate ourselves the way that we want to heal Commissioner Scholl and many others that have made irresponsible statements. Well, Wajdi, Polo, Anila, thank you so much for joining us. Happy thank Ramadan. And thank you for watching and listening. Remember, you can listen to Straight Talk now as a podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. You can share this episode and the one last week on fighting anti-Asian hate. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. Join us next week when we talk with Oregon Congressman Peter DeFazio, the chair of the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. We'll talk about what President Biden's proposed infrastructure plan means for Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.